0: Pastor's text this morning is Genesis 11, verse 1 through 9. Genesis 11, verse 1 through 9, and this is what it says. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they had journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Go, to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they brick for and burned. And had, they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, go to, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they began to do. Lord, you're welcome in this place. I pray for your anointing power to be in our pastor this morning as he proclaims the word which you've placed in his soul boldly. And I pray this congregation be ready to hear what you have to say and do what you say we should do. Anoint this man of God. We thank you for this man of God. Anoint your word in the name of Jesus. We give you praise. Amen. Praise
1: the Lord. You may be seated. And I want you to... Uh, Put on your seatbelts here this morning because we're going to get into a heavy word of the Lord. We're going to get right into the word because I feel like that the Lord really wants to do something in our midst here today. We all know that this story is centered around what we call the Tower of Babel within our text and we see that this passage of scripture that the people begin to unify in the plain of Shinar, according to the word of God and their goal was to build a tower that would give them world recognition. Some say that they were gonna build a tower trying to reach God but that was not their plan, that was not their idea as some suppose. They were building the tower in the face of God to prove what they could accomplish as men. The tower was actually in defiance to God because they were building it to make a name for themselves. Look at verse four with me in the word of God. The scripture says, and they said, go, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach heaven and let us make us a name. That was the whole reason for them building this tower that they might build it to make a name for themselves. Their whole idea was to bring recognition to themselves by their own accomplishments. The words whose top may reach heaven was used to signify that man, they were pronounced and had the ability to do even what God could do. Man in his own wisdom could build a tower that was equal to the ability of God. That was their statement. That was what they were trying to say. It would be here at the foot of their monument that they would build a city that would be the center for humanistic ideology. These people begin to organize a structure that would give validity to the idea of their humanistic beliefs. This tower would represent man and his ability. And it would serve as a visual picture to the strength of humanistic power. This tower would serve the purpose to attract the world. And it would be considered a wonder of the world. You've heard of the seven wonders of the world and people travel for miles and miles and miles to go see those seven wonders? Well, that was their concept. That they would build this tower and it'd be a wonder of the world. This tower would serve as a symbol to the world of the greatness of man. And the tower was a symbol of everything exaltation and elevation and edification to flesh. They would build a city around this concept and this city would be dedicated to what they called the God of self, self Promoted, self-led, self, self-designed. That's what they desired. And let's notice another reason for them wanting to build this city that I find most interesting in verse 4. Let us build a city and tower whose top may reach into heaven. Let us make us a name. That's number one. But the second reason, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. First of all, as a whole, these were all what we call nomad people. They were wonders, roamers in the desert and the plains and the mountains of the earth. And their lives depended upon God leading them, providing for them, and protecting them. And it's in the context of this mobility that I find it interesting that they decided that they had a better plan than God's plan. That they had a better idea than what God had for their lives. They would no longer be going throughout the earth roaming and wandering and depending upon God to protect and to provide and to lead them. But they would build them a safe haven themselves dependent upon their own arm of flesh to sustain and to protect their own lives. They would build them a city, a stronghold that would protect them and then they would not have to go from place to place to place. Why? Because it would be a lot easier to stay there in that city protecting them themselves than it would be to be wandering and having to put their faith in an unseen God. They said it would be easier for us to do it ourselves than to have to follow this God by faith. And everything that we have to depend on is upon his provision. And the reason for this tower was to give them world recognition. It would be considered the drawing point to their economy and it would bring them world fame. And it would give them a name. It would be all about self-promotion. they looked look for the tower to establish them and with it they were saying, hey, come and see us. Come and see me. Come and look what we're we're all about. As I looked at this, the spirit of the Lord began to deal very heavily with me. I have felt the weight of this message in a most serious, serious way, because I'm afraid that we're doing something in the 21st century that is somewhat comparable to that of what they did at Babel. The thought came to me, have we unknowingly patterned the church after that of Babel here within America? Is it possible that we have treated the church as a symbol and a monument like the people did with that tower? Have we glamorized the church over glamorizing Jesus Christ? Is it possible that we with our lively singing and our moving music and our inspiring messages in our preaching is it possible with our well designed programs and our well polished activities and our own glamorous events is it possible Possible with our bright lights and our beautiful background and our stage appearance? Is it possible with our well-defined church to make a monument and say like that about? Come and see us. Come and look at us. Look what we've accomplished. Look what we have done. Is it possible that we with good intentions and with pure motives, that we have possibly missed the mark of God by trying to do the work of God in a humanistic way? Is it possible that we have put more emphasis upon structures and events than we have upon mission? Oh God, help me preach right here. Is it possible that we have become a Christian theater where praise and performance and preaching has taken the place of the power of the mission of the church to go out and to win souls? Have we done this because we don't want to be spiritual nomads going out through the earth with a mission and a mandate and a message to the lost and dying world? And yet it was Peter that told us that we're just pilgrims and strangers that we're just passing through here. Are we not to be spiritual sojourners and wonders and vagabonds and nomads in the earth? That's what you and I are called to be. Can I have an amen in this place? You and I are to be wonders and vagabonds trusting in the name of the Lord. To be missional means that there has to be a trust in God for our success, for our survival, and for our security. The question I have is, are we like the people of Babel? Are we wanting to build our own place of security because we're too afraid, too timid to do the work of ministry outside of the church? Have we come to the place that we think we have an easier and a better way than what God designed in Scripture? Hello, it's getting quiet in here. Is it possible due to our own lack of confidence and maturity in our faith that we are too intimidated to witness, to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost people outside of the four walls of the church? Is it possible due to the neglect of our own spiritual disciplines that we feel inadequate and that we're unable to do missional work as Jesus commanded us within Scripture? Are we looking for the events to do the missional work for us, relieving us of our responsibility? Are we looking for the good preaching to bring them in? Oh, are we looking for the good worship to bring them in? Are we looking for, oh, the good dramas to bring them in? Are we looking for the good fellowship to bring them in? Are we looking for the good food to bring them in? Are we, look, oh, are we looking for the, the building design to bring them in? Or are we looking as us to be what Jesus commanded us to do and to go out to the four corners of earth and to preach the gospel to every creature as men and women of God, to be living epistles read all men to be light and salt of the earth are we looking to our programs to be our mission if we are then we're trading mission for events can i have an amen have we built our temples our churches our sanctuaries and looked to them to draw crowds in are we trying to create a concept and the concept be the drawing tool and replace uh, the missional work so that we can relieve ourselves from the mandate of Scripture? Hello? Have we with good intentions, with noble motives, created a come and see me model? Amen? Are we like the Old Testament model where everybody came to Jerusalem and this is the place to worship? Or are we like a New Testament model where Jerusalem went to the world? Amen? You may think I'm preaching again for the events and church structure and church attendance, and I'm not. But if the body is spending more time, energy, and resources on the events than they are the mission, then we have become nothing more than a Tower of Babel whose concept is all about attracting the world to us. And this is a humanistic approach. And just like the tide of all fleshly works, it rises to the top for a season, but it will soon run its course and it will fail. But true missional work is eternal. It lasts forever. It has eternal significance. It'll have eternal results, amen? The events, the programs, and the church activities that we do, they must be about getting those saved that is brought in by missional work. If we trade missional work for events, our success will be short-lived just like that of Babel. The come and see model will not last because it's built upon carnal appeal and it becomes competitive. And it's the arm of flesh drawing people instead of the spirit of God. And unintentionally, it says our program's better than your program. And if we're not careful, we become divisive and we undermine unity in the body of Christ throughout our region. Because I want to tell you something, folks. Unintentionally, if we're not careful, we can create a a spirit of competition among the churches. This happens because of a non-missional effort put behind the event, where sinners are not attracted by the body, but they go out and they invite their fellow believers from other churches. This creates nothing more to happen than the shifting of saints. This means that most of the church's time and energy and resources is spent on trying to steal somebody's uh, somebody else's saints than it is on trying to win the lost. It's a lot easier to get a Christian to come to church with you than it is to get a sinner. It's more difficult to try to get out here to get a man that's living in sin to come to the house of God with you than it is to go to another church and say, "Hey, brother, come over here," with me. and we feel like that we've done a mission to work by trying somehow to win somebody else's saints. Oh God, help me! So, what happens to the church across town when this happens? It feels the pressure, it feels the heat, it creates a competitive spirit among them. Then they jump onto the latest fads. This happens all over the country in America. Amen. The church across town's doing this and they're blowing it out and so our people are leaving to go over there. So we got to create something in order to get them back. Hello? And it pulls them to that same spirit of Bible under the spirit of competition. And remember, there will always be someone younger and brighter rise up who has more charisma, more talent, be more gifted, have more uh, resources than what we have. They'll be doing a bigger and a better job than what we can ever do because they'll be more highly teched and more creative. And you know what? They'll have more energy. The older we get, the harder it is to be creative. And if we're not careful... If we are using only our, now I'm not against them, and I'll I'll show you why in a minute, but if we are trying somehow to fill this church through our talent and our music and our preaching, we are failing the mandate of Scripture that Jesus outlined that the church are to be. Somebody say hallelujah. Say we're with you, pastor. Say I love you, pastor. You better because we're not done yet. Amen. If we only built up on events, it will be the beginning of the decline of the church that will eventually over time be our failure. Amen? We are not in competition to no church around here. Period. We are in competition to principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places that hold men captive. That's who we're in competition to. Amen. So what happens to the saints that are event driven and not missional? They start shifting from one church to another and they go to the one that has the most exciting thing that's going on at the particular time. And even though they don't like to be missional, they still find themselves roaming and wandering and on the move. But it's not a missional move It's looking for that which pampers and caters to the flesh. That's what we've created in America. Come on. Right now, the biggest growth among all denominations is transfer growth and not not conversions. Just the shifting of saints. They leave this denomination to go to that denomination. They leave this church to go to that church. Why? Because we are creating, whether we know it, This mentality of come and see me and we've always got to be on the top notch of everything that we do. Because if we don't, then we lose to the church across town. I'm not intimidated, nor am I going to try to copy, nor am I going to chase the fads of this world. There is a way that we can be missional and spiritual and bring in souls and not worry about the shifting of saints. Can I have an amen? Somebody say amen. Oh, these people that are jumping from place to place to place, pampering their flesh, they are the children of Babel. And the church who allows their events to take the place of their mission is no different than the system of Babel. Every event that we do here at the palace, we got to have them, must be for the edification, the education, the equipping, and the commissioning of the church for missional work. And the events that is designed that we do to design to win souls, it's got to have the support of the body being involved in doing missional work, going out and getting sinners. Amen? Ministry at the church is vitally important. It's necessary. You can't take it away. This is God's design as well. The education, the edification, the discipleship, the prayer, the encouragement, the fellowship, it's irreplaceable. We got to have it. This is what God intended to do here on Sunday morning. Worship, preaching, teaching, events, programs, structure, It's irreplaceable as well but a true biblical spiritual church model requires the church to be no longer spectators where they just enjoy the good music and the dramas of preaching they come in they get a feel and they go right back out but rather the rhythm of their heartbeat has to become evangelism there has to be something that happens in that church setting that turns them on to a lost and dying world Amen? Right now, did you know there's a stir among our congregation and people are becoming so uncomfortable and people have been talking to me. I am so hungry to win the lost. There are people in this congregation right now that has set their face like a flint to seek the face of the Lord for an anointing to win the lost to Jesus Christ. Can you give the Lord praise for that? We got to be faithful to the house of God. That's God's dine as well. Hebrews 10, 25, not to forsake the assemblies of yourself together. But we have to be faithful to the house of God where we first minister to the Lord vertically through prayer and worship and then he ministers to us in the confinements of a church setting where he edifies us. We have come in here for one purpose, to minister to the Lord so that he in return will minister back to us. It is here that we genuinely connect with God as saints and we sense that vital connection with God through the worship, through the preaching, through the church's ministries. And it's out of that connection that we have here that we rise and we become missional in our service to the Lord. We come in here and we get fueled and empowered and strengthened and healed and forgiven and and all of those kinds of things for one reason only, so that we can go out and be missional as the word of God has commanded us. Doug Small in his latest book said that the African and Latin American countries where they have adapted the United States church models, where they have come to define church as a building, where Christian programs and events and worship takes place, these people in the, these countries are now asking, if, if hardship comes and petroleum becomes scarce and the electrical grid fails, how will that affect what we call the church? When I read that, I kind of was inspired for this message. Where there's no energy, no sound equipment, no projectors, no lights, no internet screening, how faithful will we be without those? What will the church do if we're all about, hey, all this high tech stuff, and this is what our growth's all about. Well, what happens when it's gone? If this is all the church is built upon, it will not succeed. Just like the Tower of Babel, it will collapse. Amen? In our text in Genesis chapter 11, we see the nations are scattered, leaving the unfinished Tower of Babel abandoned. That was their greatest fear anyway, wasn't it? Oh, we're gonna be scattered throughout the earth. You know what? They were anyway because they didn't follow God's design. Oh, Lord. It fell because it was built by the arm of flesh and it was intended to be a global center of paganism. As a matter of fact, it was God that finally put the end to their work because God has specifically told these people, do not congregate, do not do this. And did you know? they done it anyway and they were in, they were, they were, was rebellious and they were in direct rebellion against God's command. And he will stop our work as well. If it's, if it is a work of flesh, because no flesh is going to glory in the presence of God. When our talent begins to supersede missional anointing, God will bring us down. Did you hear that? When our talent, raw talent And our giftedness begins to draw more people in than our anointing or missional work, God will bring us down. It's getting quiet, getting heavy, isn't it? They were rebellious. And because of that, God brought them down. Are we rebellious because we don't go out as he's commanded us in scripture? Hey, God's given us the great command. It's called the Great Command. It's the Great Commission. He's commanded every single one of you as believers to share your faith, give a reason of the hope that lieth within you. Go out and preach to all the world. Bring them in. Preaching in the highways, the byways, the hedges to the neighbor. Come on. All power is given to me in heaven. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever can you. But lo, I'll be with you always. When's he going to be with us when we are in missional work? The problem of it is there are a big part of the majority of the church that's so intimidated they have to call somebody out to help them to even pray for somebody to be saved. We have lost the anointing of the mission of the church. And we're relying upon the preacher and the worship director and the lights and the drama to take our place and relieve us of our responsibility of the divine mandate of Jesus Christ upon our hearts. And if that becomes the strength of the church, we fell. <laughs> God came down and he confused them. He confused them by giving them diverse languages to where they couldn't communicate. God done it. The miracle of tongues divided the nations into what we call language groups. Then in time, they evolved into ethnical, cultural, and racial, and tribal bands. In a sense, still yet today, all history stands under this canopy. Can I have an amen? We're divided. We're fragmented. Nations are fragmented. People, humanity's fragmented. Amen? We're fragmented in cities where there's barriers. The Latinos over here, the blacks over here, the whites over here, dare not cross the lines or you'd be shot. Division. All because we're like Babel. The division is compounded not only by the physical features of the planet, by the people's different geographical locations, but also by ethnical, cultural, and language barriers. From Babylon to this present day, confusion and disunity literally prevails upon the earth. How many knows that? But I see something in Revelations 5, 9, and 10 that is most interesting. I'm about to preach. Woo! Huh. Listen to what it says. And they sung a new song, singing, thou art worthy, Jesus, to take the book. <laughs> and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Here we see a picture of the 24 elders known as the saints, the pre raptured saints. And they are made up, that raptured saints are made up of all kindred and tongues and people and nation. This is a picture of Bible in heaven. Do you not understand this? Many people look at this and say, well, the world will remain warily divided and separated until the return of Christ. That is not so. That's a lie of the enemy. That we bought into. Well, we just can't reach them. They're just different. They're different. We got to come in here and we got to be ourselves and we can't let any other ethnical or racial group come in. We are who we are and let them, if they don't like us, they can leave us. as a lie from the pit of hell. God does not bring disunity and calls us to be like the Sadducees and the Pharisees and be our own sect. Our gospel is to whosoever will. model at the palace of praise whosoever will, the dirty the nasty, the old, the young the rich, the poor, the black the white, whosoever will I'm telling you my heart's about to bust here this morning It is here in Revelations 5 that we see that there has been somewhere a removal of separation among the different people groups, and they have become one family. God does not make us one when we get to heaven. He makes us one now, arm in arm. Can I have an amen? Amen. You and I are of one family. It's the family of God. We see in Revelations 5 that there will be redeemed from every nation, ethnic group, and every tongue, every language group. In this picture, we actually see a reversal of Babel going on. (laughs) Notice that the globe is unified in heaven. All nations are united, singing, fellowship, worshiping. They're all in one language in heaven. They're speaking that heavenly language. There ain't going to be English and Spanish and all that there. It's going to be one language. It's going to be heaven's language. Note that these people are called priests unto our God. In other words, nothing has really changed, has it? Because even in heaven... We're gonna be there for seven years and come back down after the end of the tribulation and we're gonna be priest unto God during the millennial kingdom. We, our missional work has not stopped just because we go to heaven. They're still missional in heaven. Amen? They're priests, intercessors, servers, servants of God coming down among the fleshly people and ruling and reigning. Come on. And they're missional in their contact. Did not Peter himself say in 1 Peter 2 and now concerning now? But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That you should show forth the praise of whom who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I can't quote that slow. Amen. The Bible says you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Did you not realize that we here are of our own nation now? That when you got saved, you come into what we call born again into the kingdom of God under a new heading, a new nation Our citizenship is not of of earth, but it's of heaven. I'm not a United States citizen. I'm a citizen of heaven. My name's written down in the Lamb's book of life. And every believer who gets saved is under that headship. And we are one nation, one family together. Hallelujah. We do not have to wait to heaven to become priesthood to God. We are priest right here, right now. We are royal priesthood with a missional purpose. Look at somebody say, I'm a priest with a missional purpose. Say it again. One more time. I'm a priest with a missional purpose. Do we not realize that we are called of God to reverse the Bible spirit upon the earth? Hey, Pilate's of praise. We can make a difference. We can reverse the spirit of Bible among Papa Bluff. That which is divided, we can unify. That which is separated, we can bring it together. That which is torn, we can bring healing to it. That which is bound, we can bring freedom to it. Amen? Does that not excite you? It's gonna be done through missional work, not through our events. The intervening moment between Babel and Revelation 5 is when the kingdom of God came on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. That was the intervening moment. Look what happened. The 120 went to the upper room. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking with other tongues, they took to the streets speaking in those tongues. The people proclaimed the wonderful works of God and they stood amazed because they heard everyone speak in their own language. Did you hear that? On the day of Pentecost, what began to happen? The place was filled with all kinds of ethnical and racial and cultural groups and tribal groups. There were many, many different languages there. And on the day of Pentecost, 120 that was up in the upper room getting fueled and empowered by God, the Holy Spirit visited them with clothing tongues of fire. It set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And what was the next thing to happen? They took to the streets, and they were not ashamed of their experience, and they spoke in tongues. And all the different language groups sat there and said, the wonderful works of God. How is it? Are these men not Galileans? Are these men not Jews? Then how do we hear them speak in our own native tongue? Hallelujah. That which Bible separated, now through the power of Pentecost, we're able to bring it back together. Amen? Is that not correct? Now, last time I remember, I think I'm preaching in a Pentecostal church, ain't I? Amen? The miracle of tongues united the nations. Not a branch of our theology. Not one of our events. Not one of our programs. Not good preaching. Not good music. Not good worship. It was the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It was Pentecost. And we have to realize that ever since Pentecost, this reverses Bible, the reversal of Bible, I should say, has already been seeded into the earth. We are working against the tide of the spirit of Bible right here on the 21st century. That's what we're fighting against. Know who your enemy is. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting the spirit of Bible, the spirit of confusion, the spirit of chaos, the spirit of separation. Bible wants us to skip Pentecost and rely on the arm of flesh within the church. You see what the, the devil could care. That's how we self-design our church as long as it's not spiritually designed and meet the mandate of scripture. Because if we don't have the mandate of scripture upon it, there's no power in it. It's just raw talent that just lasts for a season. Oh, it'll have a few results, but it won't win a world. And it won't unite a nation. Amen? Man has the ability through his giftedness to do a certain amount of work and the devil will allow that to happen as long as we don't tap into the resource of God and become missional through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? Well, working gets the tide of this Bible and Bible wants to skip Pentecost. It wants us to rely upon our own doings, our own giftedness to be able to survive. It wants us to water down, tone down, compromise, and create a church environment and an atmosphere that will be conducive to the flesh. We hear it all the time. Be a censor, sensitive seeking church. Don't, Don't offend anybody. When they come in, try to create a mood where everybody's happy, where everybody fits. Tone it down. Be positive. Don't hit no negatives. Be a good motivational speaker. Tamper flesh. Come on. Don't preach sacrifice. Don't preach about dying out. Don't preach about consecration. Don't preach about sanctification. Don't preach about being holy. Don't get on these uh, tangents of don't go drink and don't go smoke and don't have adultery. Just love the people because God is love. That's what God wants our churches to be. He wants us to rely upon our talent our events, our giftedness. He don't want us to be missional. He could care less how many Christmas programs we have, how many dramas we have, how much good of worship we have, how good I preach, as long as the church is not going out and being missional and bringing anybody in here to be able to participate with it. Can I have an amen? Bible people are not attracted to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. They're not wanting a move of God. They just want to serve Bible by coming in and listening to good music, enjoy good singing, give them a chance to ease their conscience, appease them by taking up an offering where they can throw a few bucks in, and then they want to hear a 20-minute devotion and then go home, and that'll suffice for a week. That'll be good enough for the week. Be a Sunday morning, 20-minute service-type Christian, in and out. And I'm here to tell you that it's not by power nor by might but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. We have to trust in the Holy Spirit for our growth. We have to be vagabonds and nomads going to wanderers, roamers of the earth under the umbrella of having the spirit of God upon us with a missional word being preached unto our God. I'm here to give the notice to the principality that's assigned to the region of Popra Bluff. We are not compromising. We are not letting up. We are not toning it down at the Palace of Praise. Our dance is going to be with the Holy Ghost. Our songs are going to be inspirational and anointed. The Holy Ghost is still going to be in charge of the Palace of Praise right here on 1400 Marshall Best Boulevard. He'll be the Lord of the church. He'll be the deciding factor of what takes place. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete, the Dunamis will be preached. He will be experienced and he will be lived out at the Palace of Praise give the Lord praise in this place amen give him praise I'm here to tell every leader every member do Not compromise Pentecost. I refuse to come in here and be an entertainer of saints and create a social club and be a part of Babel. I don't want an atmosphere of comfort. I don't want to see, I don't want to have easy easy listening music where the mood turns into serenity, where there's peaceful and calm and quiet atmosphere. Forget that nonsense. I want to be shaken. I want to be challenged. I want to be cleansed. I want to be transformed. I want to be convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to be moved upon, set upon and anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do missional work. I want my life to make a difference. What was the main emphasis on the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Acts one and eight. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You'll be missional. There's no mission without Pentecost. I want to tell you, there's no mission without Pentecost. are two reasons why. It takes the Spirit of God to draw men, in. The Spirit of God's not on them. They're, salvation ain't real. Hello? How many knows it takes the Spirit of God to bring conviction? You can't convict through your legislation and through whatever thing you try to do in your talent. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts. And not only that, there'll be no mission without Pentecost because if you don't have Pentecost in you, you won't be missional. It takes the Holy Spirit to set you on fire to cause you to be missional. The only way to reach this world is with the fire of the Holy Spirit. He's still the agent that convinces, convicts, and converts people to Jesus Christ. Without him, that will not happen. This church is declaring war against the tide of the spirit of Babel. The spirit of Babel is trying to rock the church to sleep. Babel has created a move across this land in America. And it's taken people captive. And I come against the prevailing conditions of that which Babel has caused. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we will reverse it. Those that hold captive to this device, we're going to walk in with the anointing of the Holy Spirit because God will anoint the missional church. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. In my name, they'll speak with new tongues. my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and they recover. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. I want to tell you, with signs and wonders, he'll confirm our word. And you know why we're not having our word confirmed? Because we are more involved in allowing somebody else through the creative energy of the church to do our missional work for us. And hopefully through their creative work, our people will be saved without us doing anything and relieving ourselves of our own responsibility as believers and as Christians. Help us, God. I proclaim to you today, God is going to anoint the missional church and we're becoming a missional church right here today because we're going to seek Pentecost until he explodes us and when he explodes us in the context of him ministering to us, edifying us, overwhelming our hearts where our cup runneth over where he blesses us with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We will, we will not not have to, we'll be driven out of here by the power of the Holy Spirit into our streets and we will win this region for Jesus Christ. Amen, we'll go house to house breaking bread. We'll pull people into our inner circle in our homes. We'll visit our neighbors. We'll visit the prisoners. We'll do it all. You know why? Because it'll be the mandate on our heart imprinted by the Holy Spirit where the firebrands of Pentecost came upon us. This church will not cater to a babel system. You know what you know what the temptation is? Pastor, tell your leaders to tone it down because if you get too radical, people are turned off. If you get if they you know if it gets too wild in here, there's certain natures of people that just don't like that. So, pastor, Somehow, could you kind of find an even mix? In other words, you want me to go by the arm of flesh. You want me to do what God has told me not to do. You want me to build a tower to say, come and see me. In other words, it's all going to be about being able to be smooth and, 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 and motivational and, and, and kind, and all those things are important. But I tell you what we need, we need an explosion of dudamus. We need the power. I'm not ashamed of it. You say, well, you're going to lose people if you go that way. For every one we lose, we'll gain a thousand. Woo-hoo! Somebody help me preach. Hey, wake up and smell the roses. We're Pentecostal we're tongue talkers we are dancers we are shouters we are praisers we are worshipers we are the anointed of God in Christ Jesus we will not back down sat down shut up but we're going forward in the power of Pentecost would you stand with me please if you want to experience Pentecost, I beg you to come up here and start worshiping him in your own way. If you want Pentecost, I want you to, hey, might as well start right here, right now. We don't have to sit around and think about it and wonder about it. I want some music, and I want you to worship. I want you to let God minister to you. I want you to ask God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. I want saints laying hands on one another. I want to see the power of gifts operate. I want the Holy Spirit to manifest himself in this place. Yeah. We are in the manifestation season. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, worship him, praising, him, tell him what you want. Ask him to minister to you. Ask him to set you on fire. Hallelujah. Saints, I want my staff. I want my council. I well want the elders. Start laying hands on people. Start praying over them in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not a cuss word in the church. Woo! Can I hear a victory shout? <laughs> Fill people with the Holy Ghost here today, God. Breathe upon them like you did on the day of Pentecost. In their moment of tarrying, in their moment of beseeching, in their moment of asking, in their moment of hunger and thirsting, fill them with the Holy Ghost to fresh and anew.
0: Woo!
1: Make us missional, God.